Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> We now have only half of our supply of The Other Stories Best of Volume 1, the hardcover edition. So if you want to get one before Christmas for yourself, for your loved one, for your neighbour, for your business partner, or for that creepy gnome at the bottom of your garden, go and grab your copy today over at theotherstories.net forward slash best of. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash best of. Today's episode is The Cliff, written by Paul M. Feeney and narrated by Persephone Rose. Both of us stand on top of the hill, gazing out across the dark ocean and watching the sun as it sets. The sky boils with angry black clouds, and where patches of sky show through, they are painted with streaks of dark red, like smoldering fire, like blood. Far below us, striking out to sea, is a small boat, tiny and insignificant on the dark water a barely visible smudge in that vast black ocean. Its sails are pregnant with wind. It is only just launched, and already it is way beyond the shore, though from our vantage point, it seems only inches out from the crude dock. I look down at the child, whose hands grip mine tightly, their fingers scarcely able to cover my palm. Their face is a pale scrunch of worry and upset, too young to understand why neither of us are on that vessel. I cast around for something to say to occupy their thoughts, 
the most distant of history lessons comes to me, learned back when I had the energy to research such things. Back when I thought, as did others, there might be a clue to salvation hidden in the past. How utterly wrong we all were. Did you know Bergholt is an old word meaning wood on the hill? I am not entirely sure this is true, though it feels right. And does it really matter? Does anything anymore? The child looks up, their wide eyes shining in the gloom. A quick shake of the head is followed by a questioning look. The ocean breeze flicks strands of their tousled black hair. Their mouth is turned down in loss and grief, or so it seems to me. My heart breaks to see it, squeezing painfully and turning my chest into an empty, bottomless chasm. I smile, but it is a thin, fragile expression, forced and uncomfortable on the hard mask of my face. When was the last time I smiled? I mean, really smiled? I cannot recall. There has been scarcely anything to feel happy about in my tragic existence. All my memories are of pain, death, and terror, of desperate flight from one place to another, all of it painted in shades of black and red, in blood. Some distance behind us comes the faint sound of whispering, soft, barely audible for now, but gradually getting louder, closer. There are unintelligible words inside that hiss, a language I doubt I ever heard before, but nonetheless the multitude of voices give the impression of anger, of hate, of harm. The intent is clear. The sound sends ripples of fear up and down my skin, makes my innards tighten even though I knew their coming was inevitable. I do my best to ignore it, though it is difficult. The child makes no sign of having heard. I raise my voice slightly, just in case, hoping to mask the approaching throng, hoping they cannot hear it in my words, the tremble which rings painfully clear in my ears. A long time ago, hundreds and hundreds of years before either of us were born, on this very cliff and throughout the surrounding lands, there were trees. Many, many thousands of trees a great, wild forest covering the land. And in that forest were things no human had seen or knew about, creatures and beings and worlds of wonder and magic and, yes, darkness, because there isn't one without the other. But soon men came, as they always do, and without thought or care cut down the trees and pushed the forests back, and the creatures within, benign and otherwise, wailed and fretted because the trees were more than a home. It was their life, their protection. As the forest shrunk, so too did they diminish, retreating deeper and deeper into the heart of what was left. And when men came across that which they did not understand, they cut them down, slaughtering and exterminating, fear and hate in their hearts. It is the same story across the world. Wherever there is man... There is bloody, violent doom. Eventually, people settled near this clifftop and named the place Bergholta because of the woods, a pale imitation of the great forest that once lay across the land, surrounding and protecting the village they built. Well, they thought 
it would protect them. When the Normans eventually invaded, they of course attacked the people who lived here, and the poor villagers of this place, few of whom were trained in combat and even fewer possessing adequate weapons, fought and died to protect their land. And when it was clear their enemies were too strong, outnumbering them, they surrendered, begging for mercy. But it was no use. The Normans butchered them, sparing no one, as if to erase them from history, and took the land for their own. This earth, this whole county, drips with dark history, most of it written in blood and violence. My ragged coat flaps about me in the breeze that has blown up, filling the heavy silence as my words tail off. I look down at my bare feet where ragged blades of grass poke between wriggling toes. The flesh there is webbed with faint lines, dark, jagged lightning forks of the strange infection that has plagued this world for decades. It is an unwanted living tattoo that covers my body, placed there by an unseen hand. It is a sign of my fate. I am marked. I wonder why I am telling the child this story, a pointless history lesson that may not even be accurate. Perhaps it is merely a distraction, as much for me as for them, while we wait for the coming end. Perhaps it is because such dark thoughts are always on my mind in these final days. I had thought to tell a tale to distract from the horrors that are everywhere now, to take the child's mind from darkness, but it is useless. Even my words are cursed, turning always to violence, to death. I sigh, a soft, mournful exhalation. Some things never change. The child's tiny hand squeezes mine, and I feel their small body shiver, the vibration communicated through our touch. I resume staring out to sea, watching the sun slowly set. Even in this grim era, a part of me is able to appreciate the raw beauty. It almost makes me want to cry. As it finally dips past the curve of the world, residual light spreads out into a thin red line, a knife wound oozing blood. Blood again. Always blood. I look down again at the child, the last surviving member of their family. The child's face glows with pale luminescence in the gloom, mouth like a thin slash in uncooked dough. Their face has the same faint black lightning marks I know are on mine, it is a sign of those who have been chosen, who have been singled out for judgment. A judgment that is unstoppable and implacable, ancient and eternally patient, and one, I suspect, that is coming to us all. Those in the boat far below us may think they can flee, leaving the two of us to our fate while they seek sanctuary elsewhere. But this darkness lying across the land is everywhere. I know it. I feel it like a cold ache in my bones. I want to feel pity for us both, for those in the boat, for all those who remain hiding in far corners of the world. I wish I could muster up even a trickle of sadness, but it is as though I am empty, as if 
My emotions are a finite resource and have long since been spent. All I feel is a gnawing, dull pain and a burning in my veins, in my blood, as the mark spreads. Do you think they'll come back? The child asks, meaning those in the boat. Though their voice is barely above a whisper, it cuts through the weighted silence as if they had shouted. Before I can answer, I am distracted by the growing tumult behind, the whispers getting louder, though the words continue to remain out of reach of understanding. I imagine the speakers are using no language I could learn, no tongue any person knows, but who needs translation when the meaning is clear? The essence of it goes beyond mere words, carried direct to the brain, to the nervous system, instinctively and primal. No one knows when or from where exactly they came, but I have my suspicions. We are finally paying for our self-centered hubris, for our rampant disregard for the harmonies of this world. We, humans, that is, have run unrestrained over this planet, using resources without thought or care, causing destruction and pollution, leaving little but waste in our wake. Our cycles of violence, genocide, our filthy industries, our greed and avarice have finally gone too far. Is it any wonder nature or super-nature has had enough? I believe, as do others, that we have forced nature's hand, that it has unleashed something long dormant against us, crawling from the darkest depths of the world, covering the land in shadow. I believe we are being excised from existence like a virus. Ironic, a plague has been sent forth to combat a plague. And perhaps we deserve it. A tug on my hand reminds me of the child's question. I think to lie, but what would be the point? It would be a false comfort, and the child would see through it. Though they are young, perhaps six, seven at most, this world has aged them prematurely. It has aged us all, those few who are left. No, no, I don't think so. We won't see them again. We fall silent once more, only the approaching cacophony to break the stillness. The whispers grow ever louder, but do not turn to shouts. Instead, it is as though the volume is being slowly, inexorably raised. The sibilant noise crawls across my skin like the feet of a swarm of insects, and beneath the whispering, I think I hear other sounds. The grinding of teeth, the scratching of claws, growls and shrieks. Every instinct within screams at me to turn and see how close they are, or instead, to run as fast and as far as we can. But I push it down. There is nowhere to go and no point in looking. I already know what is coming for me. For us both. After a few minutes that stretch like hours, the child speaks again. They've obviously been thinking, mulling over my words. A line pulls their brows together in concentration. Who? Who's Norman? I suddenly feel like laughing, but choke it back. 
even though it's the first strong emotion I've felt for a while. If I start, I doubt I'll be able to stop. I recognize it as a form of hysteria, of madness threatening to take over, and I bite down on the urge. I know it would be little to do with humor and would quickly turn into the cackle of insanity as my mind finally broke apart. It would echo in this place, growing louder and louder and drowning the world in the laughter of the mad, the final sad human sound to be uttered in these parts, though there would be no one left to hear it. No one alive, anyway. So I swallow it down and wait. Wait for either the poison in my body to kill me or the things behind to reach us, drawn by that very infection. Either way, the sands of time are running out fast for both of us, for all of humanity, whatever sad remnants still survive. Soon enough, this place will be drenched in blood again. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Cliff was written by Paul M. Feeney, narrated by Persephone Rose, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Blair Moon and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spoon of Carry On House. Paul M. Feeney has had a number of shorts published since 2014, plus two novellas. A novelette, Cursed, was released in 2020, one of a series of stories featuring his shape-shifting PI, Garrison Wake. You can find Paul on Instagram and Amazon. Persephone Rose plans to live long enough with the help of cybernetic augmentations to travel to the stars and make extraterrestrial friends. When she isn't performing satanic ritual, she scrapes by as a writer and voice actor of things that are not always for the faint of heart. If you'd like to advertise your podcast or your business or your underpants, be sure to get in touch over on the website at theotherstories.net and you can sponsor a single episode or sponsor an entire theme. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can also join our book club, movie club, writing exercises and writing competitions over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. And you can get help with your short stories and your podcast by heading to theotherstories.net forward slash services. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time.